is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast, and I hope that each and every one of you out there in Blattcast Nation had a very happy Thanksgiving. I know I did, and then some. As always, we took the kids down to Orange County to have Thanksgiving at my wife's parents' house. My mother-in-law's side of the family were there. And right now, as I record this, we're on the verge of our second Thanksgiving. Big Saturday night out in Pasadena with my father-in-law's side of the family. And how did we decide to fill that day right in between our two Thanksgivings? Why, of course, we stuffed our faces with delicious dim sum. What could go wrong? Uh, anyway, I know that a lot of people are traveling around for Thanksgiving and thought, uh, you know, that it might be fun to have a couple of episodes of this show. That's right. America's favorite podcast, The Blackcast. A few episodes to have while you're traveling around, whether it's this weekend or out Christmas shopping, really anytime the rest of the year, whatever it is that you decide to do, even if you... Spend most of your days uh, locked up in a safe room to keep the crazy away. Uh, that's what I'll be doing throughout a lot of December. So this episode you're about to listen to will feature two really fun musician conversations. In a little bit, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Jeff Keith. He is the lead singer of the band Tesla. That's an interview that uh, I was very excited. Got a little attention when I first posted on the Blackcast YouTube channel which, by the way, is B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. That's right, spelled the same way as the show you're listening to right now. The rock news site uh, Blabbermouth, they actually had a story about my interview when I asked Jeff when Tesla's next studio album might come out. So listen for that question and the answer, and you could also you know, give some clicks over to Blabbermouth. I really appreciate it. Thanks to David Wright, not the Met, but uh, David Wright, whose handle is The Rock Oracle. Uh, he made me aware of that. And of course, I also realized I need to shout out an account called Planet Six String that also reported on that interview. And it was a really fun one to do. If you've heard enough of this show, you know I'm a huge Tesla fan. And I personally have been hoping to get a chance to talk to Jeff Keith for years. And that's coming up in a little while. That'll be coming up soon, but not now. In a moment, you're about to hear another fun conversation I had with Jim Peterick. Now, you know Jim Peterick's work. Maybe the name doesn't immediately come to mind. But what if I ask you, how much do you know this? Stranger in the black sedan, I want you hop inside my car. I got pictures, got candy, I'm a lovable man, and I can take you to the nearest star. I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you anywhere you wanna go. I'm your vehicle, woman. By now I'm sure you know that I love you, that I need you, need you. I want you, got to have you tried. Great God in heaven, you know I love. Or. How much do you know this? 
that, that one. And don't worry, I am going to ask him about both of those. Uh, Jim also has a new album, Roots and Shoots, Volume 1, that'll be out January 12th, 2024, of course. And before we listen to Jim, let's hear a little of the first single. <laughs> it's easy for me to say. First signal. <laughs> the first single from that album. Dangerous Combination, featuring Kevin Cronin and Ario Speedway. I've been drinking too much. And thinking and drinking for me is a dangerous combination. And I'm lonely as hell with a story to tell. I'm talking to myself and man, a dangerous conversation. Baby, you could save me tonight. You could make everything alright. Jim Peterick, who, along with his band World Stage, they have a new album, Roots and Shoots, Volume 1. That'll be out January 12th, 2024. And the first single, Dangerous Combination, features Kevin Cronin and Aria Speedwagon. And our audio audience may have just heard some of that, and they'll hear some more of it when we are through. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really oh. appreciate it. My pleasure, Christian. Thanks so much for having me. And are, are you calling this a Bladcast? Yeah. So my last name is Blatt. So uh, I thought some time ago, I've been doing this podcast for a little bit more, almost 11 years now. And it just seemed like the words went together. You know, it's one of those. It's like it doesn't really mean anything but Bladcast. So uh, people knew me a little bit from the radio. And then I thought I would do this podcast. And, you know, the name sticks, especially after uh, 10 years. And you just kind of roll with it, you know. I like Bladcast. It's, it works for me. Well, you saying that is going to get clipped out and put uh, in sort of the end credits because anytime <laughs> we can get anybody to say anything nice, we uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, right when we were starting, you were talking about how your friend uh, Larry was helping you uh, get set up here for our conversation and that you've known him since third grade. And that was actually something I, I kind of wanted to start with because as I was putting the notes together, uh, you know, I would have figured, oh, you've known Kevin Cronin for at least a few decades, you know, being out there in the music world. But uh, I thought it was really interesting how you and Kevin from REO Speedwagon first met long before he well, no, fairly a while before REO Speedwagon. Uh, talk a little bit about how you first met him and just how long you've known Kevin. Long time. Um, oh, my God. I, I don't want to put a number to that because that's like crazy. But unbeknownst to me, when the Ides of March were brand new band, we would play a club called the Blue Village in Westmont. And it was the place to hang and the place to be. And there was black lights and 
the girls' bras would show through their blouse. It was a great place to be. I'm just going to interject saying, for a moment. Uh, yeah. Jim, do you think that that's why black lights were invented <laughs> for, for that exact reason? Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> At least it was for us. Anyway. Yeah, same here. <laughs> they just popped right through. Anyway, uh, and unbeknownst to me, there was a fellow that was observing and enjoying and bopping named Kevin Cronin. Well, I didn't know it at the time, you know. And, uh, but a few months later, my book agent got a call and said, there's this guy that claims to have seen you on the Blue Village. He wants the Ides of March to play for the prom at Evergreen Park High School. And we're going, yeah. So that's the first time I really met Kevin Cronin was, he was in a tux, you know, dancing with his date. And the Ides of March are playing our big hit at the time in 66 called you wouldn't listen you know that was way before four years before vehicle that was like i told you he was a fool you wouldn't listen to me i mean it was like the hollies meet the ides of march meet whoever <laughs> yeah. the kicks yeah and uh, that was the song that really hooked kevin cronin and uh hired us for the prom and um then we became fast friends and fast forward to when I put together uh, a group called Survivor and we were touring with REO Speedwagon for about three years oh, and wow. uh, we became even closer friends, but we always stayed in touch. Well, uh, two things come up uh, in sort of that recollection. The first, uh, obviously, uh, Ides of March. Uh, the I think that the big song that uh, sticks with people, you referenced it, uh, Vehicle. And as I was reading about that, it was, uh, I guess it was the fastest selling single in the history of Warner Brothers. And uh, I, I sort of casually knew the the song. You know, I was talking about how I started doing a podcast because people knew me from the radio. I used to do co-host and produce a radio show with the comedian Dennis Miller. And he oh, yeah. was such a huge fan of that song. And he would talk about like he could visualize the 45 of it. So he was somebody who was one of the many who went out and bought it. And, you know, we would play a lot of fun bumper music on that show, even though it was, you know, entertainment slash politics show. And uh, that was in the, the regular rotation. Uh, so I, I, oh. I hope uh, I hope Westwood One uh, made sure to send you some royalties for the snippets. Oh, I'm sure it. there's a couple of uh, <laughs> pennies there. But anyway, uh, I can't believe, you know, you know, the history you have and who you are hanging with on this, this show. Um, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we once, uh, well, actually we had uh, Dennis DeYoung on a couple of times and I know you've known him for a long time and that's how I know that your name is not pronounced Pederick because <laughs> I heard Dennis DeYoung call you Jim Peterick. So I was like, Oh, I've read that name wrong, but it makes sense. You know, it was like, it's like the first time you hear somebody say it out loud, you're like, Oh yeah, I I was I was not right on that. So oh man, you know you're bringing up one of my my dear friends who lives literally two blocks away. Of course, he's in a gated community. I'm just you know where where the peons live. I mean, it's not, not kidding, but no, Dennis's, I mean you yeah you you your block has like the help to Dennis's house. You know the the staff yeah, that work basically. In his house. Yeah, my wife is part of the help. You know, and God bless her. No, and Den I just talked to Dennis. You know, and. Um, we have a song that, well, a song that I wrote with, with Larry for he and his, his wife, uh, and it's going to go on Roots and Shoots Volume 2. Um, this is Volume 1 that, you know, we're 
promoting right now. Sure, but, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, Dennis is a dear friend, and and the song I'm I'm dedicating it to um, him and and his wife because he was unable to sing it. I ended up singing it, uh, and I can only you know do I can't I can't be Dennis DeYoung, but I can be Jim Peter. It turned out really well. Yeah, no, no, no. There's uh, there, there's you know there are those voices where uh, you know you sometimes people can kind of approximate it. And uh, yeah, I would say Dennis DeYoung's one of those. Steve Perry's another one of those. You know, uh, I I just uh, last week I heard uh, Sammy Hagar, who I know you collaborated with on the heavy metal song, yeah. uh, talking about like he's going to go out and do this sort of this homage to his time in Van Halen. And he's like, uh, yeah, I can play uh, pretty much everything except dreams. I can't sing that anymore. So we will not be doing it. So even St Sammy Hagar can't be Sammy Hagar anymore. You know? Oh, my God. Well, as long as he keeps anchoring with heavy metal, I'm a, I'm a happy guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. uh, yeah, he's a dear friend. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough about, about Sammy and the energy he has and and the range he has, if he lost one note, excuse me, I wouldn't yeah. even admit if I was Sammy. But anyway. Well, he also said he doesn't know how he even sang that in 1986 in the studio. So, you know, he's like, I don't even know how I ever did it, but I definitely can't do it now. You know, so. <laughs> that is funny. I remember yeah. uh, being in his basement, uh, well, basement kind of lower level in Mill Valley when he picks me up in his brand new Ferrari, you know, that's when you could pick people up at the airport, you know, I would sure, yeah. right there. I, I get off the plane. There he is in his Ferrari Daytona. And uh, he's, I said, great car. And he goes, nice country, America. And I, I'll never forget that quote. And on the way, he stops at a, at a coffee shop in, in Marin Valley and they grind up some high test beans and we go over to his house. And we sit in in his basement, his lower level, and uh, we're just talking. You know, what do we write? You know, it's like a blind date. You know, but we were very comfortable with each other. And he says, "Well, Eddie Leffler, we call him Fast Eddie. He's my manager." And he says, "There's this new movie coming out. It's called Heavy Metal, and they need a theme song." And okay, we got our marching orders now. You know, so I had my guitar, and I just. Started, Headbangers in leather, sparks flying in the dead of the night, and then Sammy goes, it all comes together when they shoot out the lights here. And we just kept going. Holy shit, we got a song, you know. And we put it on his. He had a little cassette player for for a track. And we did this demo, we sent it to Fast Eddie Leffler and he goes, oh my God, this is it. Finish it up and um, the rest is history. Yeah, and that's, uh, it's funny because it's, uh, you know, it's a very interesting animated movie that uh, for a long time wasn't available uh, for people to buy through legitimate means because of music clearances as with so much stuff. So it was, it was like this sort of legendary VHS like bootleg you could get and it's like, oh, it's got all the music in it so you could get the soundtrack. But uh 
uh, it's such a great song. And I do believe that, uh, you know, when Sammy goes out and plays, whether he plays with the circle or the band he's going to tour with next year, he, that that is one of the ones, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, right up there with, I can't drive 55 from, from that era, the pre uh, Van Halen post Montrose uh, era of uh, Sammy. Exactly. One of the other things I want to make sure to talk about is uh, because you mentioned sort of as an aside that, uh, you know, you uh, were, in you weren't just involved you were uh, the the band survivor was a band you put together and right. so when we talk about survivor we of course have to talk about eye of the tiger so you uh won a grammy and also won an oscar for it or nominated uh, I, nominated I, um i have yeah. that on my i have the acceptance speech all on my wall with along with the invitation but love lift us up where we belong one oh that's oh, tough yeah, I know that was tough. And I'm I, bet, sitting, I bet if you look at like the year before, or the year after, you're like, oh, look what else we would have been up against. You know? <laughs> why did why did Rocky three come out that year? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the interesting thing to think about, too, is that that's from Rocky three. It's not from the first one. You know, it's a little bit later, right. which isn't the necessarily the Rocky movie that uh, that people think about. But obviously, that's such a huge song. And, you know, it's really like the song for in the real world, people trying to get themselves pumped up for anything. But I, I, if, if, if you tried to count how many different times the song was licensed or used in movies or TV or anything, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I, I think you'd have to, you'd have to use all of your fingers, all of your toes and all the fingers and toes from the help working at Dennis DeYoung's house down the street. <laughs> well, right. I mean, uh, it's really the song that built this house that, that we're sitting in in studio uh, it was just like an incredible life-changing experience, you know. Um, it, it, you know, and all started with a phone. Hey, yo, Jim, give me a call. It's Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, someone's pulling my leg, and Karen says, "You better call him back, you idiot." You know. And uh, okay, you know, two one uh, two one three area code, good sign. And then he answers, yeah. "Yo, you know, yo," and I go, hmm, "This is a good sign." I said. This is Jim Peterick. Uh, is this really Sylvester Stallone? Hey, Jimbo, call me Sly. You know, nice. and uh, man, he said, "Got this movie called Rocky Three, and I don't want to use a gonna fly now song anymore. It's a nice song, but I want something with the for the kids, something with a pulse. Uh, Can you help me out?" I go, "Hell yeah!" And he sent us a rough cut of the movie, and um, it was actually <laughs> really funny. Funny story, uh, over the montage, which ultimately became the bed for Eye of the Tiger, there was <laughs> another one bites the dust. I called Stallone again, man, you already got a song, you know? You know, I couldn't use it. They wouldn't license it to me, you know? Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks, Freddie. Thanks, Freddie. Or management, whoever it was. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, whoever actually and, made that decision, sure. Right. <laughs> And suddenly we had a chance at the crown, you know, oh, and um, went to CRC, Chicago Recording Company, and, you know, and we cut the demo on Eye of the Tiger. And uh, it was really good. It was really rough, but it was really good. And we said it to Stallone. He said, you guys really did it, you know, but I got to use that. It was just a demo. And yeah. he says, I got to use the demo because we're out of time, you know, oh. and uh, we go, really? So if you listen to, if you watch the movie again, 
it's a different version than the one that came out three months later. Uh, and a lot of people don't know that. It's more mm. raw. It's the demo. Uh, check it out sometime. No, I, I, I'm like, I'm making a mental note. I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. That's so funny because I, I haven't seen it in a little while. But uh, I'll let you know. I've definitely heard the song somewhat recently. You know, just yeah. it's 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 always out there. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that uh, they had to use the demo. That makes it, it interesting. It's pretty uh Pretty cool. We had to re-record it because it was on a different label and all that stuff, the movie company. Oh. Um, but what took us like five days to do the demo took us about a month and a half later on to try to recreate it. Yeah. Right. With better right. sound. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, before we uh, talk about the new album and everything, uh, I was uh, reminded when I was putting my notes together that uh, obviously that song is a huge success. It uh, is such a big part of Rocky Three. Uh, he has you back to do the song Burning Heart for Rocky Four, and and I remember that song really well as well. That was right in the sweet spot of when I was listening to a lot of Top 40 radio uh, in New York where I grew up. And uh, so I remember that song really well uh, in addition to that, and I didn't realize that was also you, actually. Well, yeah. In fact, uh, a quick story. We were on the road with Ariel Speedwagon. Uh, we were probably on the road with them for three months. Uh, I mean, excuse me, three years in a row. Uh, same management. And um, it was a great package. We would, we would always be the opening act because it was their tour, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, Frankie and I are laying, not laying, but sitting around the pool on tour with REO. And we get another call from Stallone, you know, and out of the blue, and he says, you did it once, you got to do it twice, you know. And uh, he says, I got Rocky Four, and I know you got a new singer now, and he's really good. See, Dave Bickler sang, of course, Eye of the Tiger. He was the iconic sure. voice with the, the guy with the beret, and he's still a dear friend. But um, he left the band, and we held auditions, and there's a lot of really not so good singers that came in from different parts of the country, and suddenly, from Memphis, uh, on the recommendation of a of an ex manager, uh, Jimmy Jameson came into in, into town and blew the doors off of us. I mean, we were rehearsing in in a, in a carpet warehouse, and you know the back end of the carpets, you your eyes would tear, and it was awful. We had a crummy PA. He comes in there, and Frankie and I had just uh, written a song called "Broken Promises," which was on the Vital Signs album, ultimately. And, um, you know, at the piano, I'm showing Jimmy the song and he starts, you know, singing broken promises, you know, just like with me and go, did you hear this song already? He's no, man, I, I just got a good ear. You know, <laughs> I said, damn right. You got a good ear and a great voice. And uh, before that rehearsal was over, we gave him the, uh, the gig as new lead singer of Survivor. And so then, uh, then he ends up uh, doing that song "Burning Heart," which of course is in uh, Rocky Four. And then, yeah. uh, and then Rocky Five didn't happen for a while. So it was so much later that I guess he couldn't give you a call for that. But uh, at well, least those two were close together. Yeah, I know Elton John got involved and ruined the whole thing. You know, by that time. Wait, what had that guy done that uh, he should have gotten a shot? You know, nothing. Nothing really. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm just, oh, wait, you got to read a book that I'm reading. Oh, not in, you got it. That's kind of weird. But, no, no, uh, Bernie, but, uh, please. Bernie Toppin just put out a book, an autobite, and uh, 
you know, one of my heroes as a lyricist of all time, you know, things like your song, Goodbye Yellowbrook Road. And it's a fascinating read. And it, it's not really Elton centric. It's, it's really about Bernie's craft. I mean, he mentions Elton and all that. Yeah. Uh, but it's really about Bernie, who's just had a well, great Well, Bernie Taupin uh, co-wrote uh, one of my favorite albums all time, but my favorite Alice Cooper album called From the Inside, which is about the first time that he got clean. And unfortunately, Alice had to get clean a few times. But when he did in 1983, it stuck, by the way. He talks a lot about how, you know, he replaced all of that with golf and then he was able to figure it out. But uh, and that album from the inside has, you know, just beautiful melodic and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily expect from Alice Cooper. And then when I got old enough, I understood. I'm like, oh, the, the, the guy who wrote all those great or co-wrote all those great Elton John songs. So, uh, no, I'd be very interested in reading about his collaborations with Elton, but also, uh, you know, especially if he delves into from the inside. Uh, I know from the inside was a, a great one. We, uh, I went to see the Alice Cooper concert right about then where he comes out of a bottle of jack daniels yeah. onto the stage yeah Incredible. there's a there's a video dvd of that tour yeah i've seen that it's yeah. amazing yeah um so uh but anyway uh so uh i want to make sure to talk to you about the the new album uh and and you know how everybody can get it and how they can see the video for the song i want to talk about all that but uh, i i like that sort of the in-between thing is you know like oh yeah jim did all this great stuff and when he was kind of between gigs, he wrote a bunch of songs for 38 Special, including Hold On Loosely, which obviously all the songs are huge, but that's like one you still kind of hear a lot. And uh, I like I like sometimes when somebody's like, oh, and by the way, I also did this is also <laughs> like, you know, for somebody else, it would be like, oh, my God, I got to write songs for 38 Special. So that's uh, that's got to be kind of a, you know, a lot of fun to think back on. But. I do want to talk to you about Roots and Shoots Volume 1, which uh, will be out January 12th, 2024. And Mm -hmm. uh, this single, Dangerous Combination, that uh, features Kevin Cronin and Ario Speedwagon. And I think that I didn't quite understand the way it was labeled until I watched the video, which I think the video is actually really cool because there's Kevin on stage with Ario Speedwagon, and you're somewhere else, and (laughs) he's got monitors, you've got monitors. When it started, I actually thought you were on stage with him. And then I realized like, oh, no, this is this is like an REO show and you're you know, somewhere else. So talk a little bit about the video collaboration. But then also I want to hear about how the song came together. Well, uh, you know, the the video was really created by uh, uh, Bizarro. Um, Greg Bizarro, <laughs> my dear friend and, uh, and videographer. It was his brainchild because Kevin couldn't quite come in uh, when we needed him, and and yet he he taped this footage of he and REO, and through the alchemy of modern science, put us together and, and put this fantastic uh, video together, which you saw, and it's it's up to like a hundred thousand views. It's it's pretty incredible, and. Uh, Kevin By the way, is, it doesn't surprise me that Kevin was unavailable because you were talking about how you were on tour with him for three years, but uh, that seems like that hasn't changed from the seventies. It's like uh, REO's always out on tour. You know, they're always yeah. Tell me of, about they're it. Usually I, packaged I, together with other great bands like Kansas or something. You know, right. it's uh, they're right. always playing. So uh, he's like, I don't have any time for you, Jim. But you know what? We'll put a few minutes into our show that I'm already doing. 
that's that's about right. Uh, but you know, he came through, and uh, two days later, you know, Greg Bizarro, uh, our videographer, uh, my videographer, uh, Don Barnes, came into town and recorded a song that Larry and I uh, wrote together. Larry's, you know, the fellow sitting over there that I've known since third grade. Uh, architect of uh, the Ides of March, along with me, Bob, uh, Mike Borch, and Bob Berg, and Jim Peterick, Bob Berglund, Mike Borch, and Bob Berglund. I said that twice. Who am I missing there? Well, that's how good he was. Oh, yeah, Larry so the, the guy sitting over there. Yeah, he's too <laughs> yeah, obvious. He's, he's, he's off camera. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> what about me? So where were we? I forgot. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, Don Barnes, Last Dream Home, which Larry and I wrote, and Don came in, we cut the track, he came in and did all the guitar work and the vocals. I always call Don the voice of radio. He gets out to that mic, you know, and it was like 11 in the morning, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, it's, it's kind of early, you know. Well, but in 20 minutes, there was the magic radio voice of Don Barnes singing uh, Last Dream Home, and. I don't know if you've you didn't hear it yet, but the the video is being edited right now for that song. Right. And uh, so obviously Roots and Shoots Volume One has that collaboration with Kevin Cronin. We talked about Dangerous Combination. That's the song that's out now. There's the video. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a there's a song you're talking about with Don Barnes, uh, Kelly Keegy. Kelly uh, Keegy, yeah. And men, men Fences with Kelly. Again, a lot of these bros I've known for, you know, 40 years. Uh, and now I'm only 50, which is crazy. I was 10 years old when I met. No. Um, Good thing you got started early, you know. Very early. Well, I actually did, but not not at 10. Not, not but, Maybe not 10, yeah. Not 10. <laughs> Ida March had a hit when I was 15 called You Wouldn't Listen. We took it from there. But yeah, Kelly Kelly Kage is amazing, and uh, and Mark Farner of uh, Grand Funk has a song with you. Oh yeah, Forever, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a dear friend, and Friends Forever really speaks to our our friendship. Uh, I mean, the Ides of March used to go see Grand Funk, and there was this guy with the long hair with the you know the unbelievable guitar tone that they were. He was like one of my heroes. You know, right. and here I am writing songs with them and, and doing shows with them. And it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So uh, obviously uh, people can find out more about uh, Roots and Shoots Volume 1. And as we said, pre-order it. There's the video. Uh, do they uh, just go to uh, go to the website? What's the best way for people to I want to make sure that I uh, send people the right places. Uh, this is. Yeah. Um, well, jimpeter.com. Um, yeah. Jim Peterk on Facebook, uh, the Ides of March dot com, uh, Frontiers Records, uh, Frontiers dot com. Uh, that's my label. And yeah. um, oh, I didn't even mention like uh, Lisa uh, McLowry and Dave Mikulskis, Fire and Water, a song I wrote for them. I, I've worked with Lisa McLowry through the years uh, and just an amazing singer. We've done many albums together. Uh, she's the number one Cher impersonator nationally right now. She tours as Cher, other than you know it's not Cher, but right, sure. but what a great singer! In fact, when she was singing the vocal with for Fire and Water with Dave, I said, "Lisa, you're doing Cher," 
No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, you're doing share. Uh, Get the share out of there. Yeah. Oh, finally, after about a half hour, she became Lisa McClowry again. But when yeah. you when you live that touring yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at some point you had to say, and stop calling me Sonny. Enough already. All right. You... No, I like that. That part was good. <laughs> but that's another story. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a lot of the collaborations. Um, and uh, I was... Uh, just sort of, uh, you know, reading about your work with World Stage in the past, uh, you had a collaboration with uh, somebody that I think doesn't get enough credit for uh, their vocal success, just sort of especially maintaining it over basically 40 years. Uh, Tom Kiefer, who a lot of people know from the band Cinderella. And uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, he's somebody who's been very public about having had vocal problems in his life. But uh, I saw him a few years ago at the Whiskey, and he still puts on an amazing show. And I think that, you know, look, I think uh, a lot of a lot of bands have probably pictures where you look at them and you go like, what, what, what is that? What is that outfit or whatever? And so I think he kind of gets discounted, you know, guys like him and hey, Larry, uh, could Michaels that, and Poison. Could you get that photo right in front of the Survivor album? I want to show. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I, want to show you so, this photo. Yeah, I, I think he's he's a guy that uh, he's a tremendous singer. You want to talk about people whose range in their heyday was, you know, in the stratosphere. Uh, guys like Tom Kiefer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my so. God. Tom Kiefer, one of my heroes. I keep trying to get him on a, on a world stage show. Can you see that? Yeah, I do see it. Yeah, there's a little bit of glare, but I do see it. That yeah. It's signed. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You yeah, that's, that's Tom Kiefer, the, the tall guy. Yeah, that's my son, uh, Colin, when he was about 16. Okay. And that's Rick Emmett of Triumph right there. Oh, wow. Okay. Good, dear friend of mine as well. Uh, what a picture. You can see how tall Kiefer is. Yeah. He's a tall dude, man. <laughs> but uh, what a talent. And I, I'll, we stay in touch and I keep saying, you've got to do the next world stage show. And, you know, yeah, man, well, I'm going to try, you know. Well, busy. he's a he's another guy that also seems like he's always out on tour. Is uh, Tom going oh, out and doing the music of Cinderella? Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, well, I'm excited to get to hear more from the album. You said that there's going to be a there's going to be another video. There's uh, going to be uh, another video with with that for Don Barnes or with Don Barnes. But I also didn't mention uh, Mark McKay, uh, one of the new artists that I work with, who's just an amazing singer, Leslie Hunt. Who I discovered uh, when she was 15. Now she's, you know, early 30s. And Leslie Hunt is just a, a force of nature. We have a song called Suddenly. Uh, Ashton Brooke Gill, who uh, I have this gal, a uh, friend named Christine Trammell. It's Greg, Greg Barnhill's sister, who finds me talent like in the New Orleans area, because that's her area. And yeah. uh, she turned me on to a girl, a girl called Ashton Brooke Gill. And she sang a song that I wrote with Bill Siner called As I Am, uh, which will hopefully knock your socks off. She's so talented. Colin Peterick, I mentioned, um, before anyone knows we're gone, you know, he's just amazing. He's got one of the biggest Steely Dan tribute bands in, in the country called Brooklyn Charmers and really proud of, the, of his accomplishments. Oh, that's great. And uh, I know that uh, you're also uh, on social media at Jim Peterick. 
uh, and uh, I guess it, it, it's called X now. It used to be Twitter. But uh, I, I, for our audio audience, I'll play it. It's too tricky to try and play while I'm on with you. But uh, you shared a comment that I, I, you shared a video that I saw back in September, which was, uh, it, it w- was basically a tennis match in Belarus or the Belarusian commentator at the U.S. Open, and he, he's, you know, going crazy and. I, I, honestly, I don't know what language they speak in Belarus. So he's speaking Belarusian, and uh, then he breaks into yeah. I, he breaks into Eye of the Tiger in perfect yeah. English. And <laughs> you know, we were talking earlier at the beginning about how often you hear that song. That's probably the funniest iteration I've heard of it. The guy who spontaneously, you know, goes from from Belarusian into <laughs> into perfect English, Eye of the Tiger. You know. Yeah, I saw that. I heard that. That was a real, really funny and really cool. It, you know, that song has bridged gaps. You know, um, my next door neighbor uh, has a a niece, and it was a photograph of the niece with two six-year-old school cronies singing "Eye of the Tiger" full force, every lyric correct, and that's why this thing keeps going. And that song is apparently timeless. I, I think that's really what it is because it uh, I think that's 1983, right? Rocky three. So it means it's 82. Exact, 82. 82. Okay. So it means yeah. exactly the same thing that it did 40 years ago as it, uh, as it does now, you know, you can capture the same. And look, there's a lot of music that uh, especially music for movies doesn't always do that, but uh, I think that's one that still does it. And uh, obviously if people uh, want to find out more, you said jimpeterick.com. That's where they can find out about the album. That'll be out in January. And uh, keep an eye out for all the singles. Jim, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it was uh, wonderful to get a chance to chat with you. And uh, hopefully uh, we get a chance to do it again soon. I heard you mention volume two. So uh, before we know it, uh, you'll have another one out that we can talk about. I know. My credo of lover boy. So many people are, are already recorded for that. But we're going to double that out. That'll probably be like April, May. So um, I'll, both on Frontiers. Real pleasure talking to you, Christian. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And uh, for our audio audience, uh, we'll let you hear the song with Kevin Cronin again. But first, you need to hear the Belarus announcer break into Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. It was uh, okay. Great Christian, rock on. It's a dangerous combination. Фантастический матч! Фантастический! Кто писал в комментариях, что Арина недостойна звания первой ракетки мира? Rising up! Back on the street! Did my time, took my chances! When the distance now I'm back on my feet! Just a man and his will to survive! So many times it happens too fast! You change your passion for glory! Don't lose a grip on the dreams of the past. You must fight just to keep them alive. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the night. Rising up to the challenge of arrival. And the last no survival chose to... ребята, я сдулся.
Very excited to be joined by Jeff Keith from Tesla. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I've uh, gotten a chance to talk to Frank a couple times. I've talked to Brian a bunch of times. Uh, this is the first time I'm getting a chance to talk to you. You so. know what? I'm sorry, but yeah. all of a sudden your your volume went out. Oh, you don't hear me anymore? Oh, now I hear you great. Okay, so now what you're you, hearing me. Okay, I'm hearing you full blast, but as soon as you went into recording, okay, it got, it got real low. I don't know but why. Everything, but everything's good now. Everything's great now. Yeah. All right. All right. But, I'm going to. I, Let's I see won't when touch you my microphone. You. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So we're still recording. And uh, All right. this is a little something extra for people on the on the, <laughs> the YouTube page to get to see. This is behind the scenes. What yeah. happens when technology attacks? Yes. <laughs> uh, Jeff, uh, in the past, I have uh, had the chance to talk to uh, Frank a couple of times and uh, Brian a bunch of times. And uh, I'm very excited for the first time to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, and whenever I have spoken for the first time with Frank or Brian, I always feel it's imperative that I show off the, the shirt that I'm wearing right now, which is my uh, my Pusshead uh, Tesla shirt from the Psychotic Supper Tour. Oh, love that shirt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I will uh, pass along that uh, the first time I showed Brian, he was like, Man, you can wear shirts from 30 years ago. Lucky you. And uh, <laughs> let's just say though, Jeff, it's a little bit more snug than when of I was. Of course, I hear you. I know the feeling. <laughs> than when I was 16. Yeah, but, I know the feeling. Uh, since we're doing show and tell, I want to point out that is not the only Tesla shirt I have. I saw you guys at the uh, the Vegas residency uh, back in March, not when you just did it. Uh, so I figured oh, okay. I needed a I needed a sunset, not sunset strip, but a Vegas strip. There you um, go. You gotta yeah. have it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, look, if if uh, a publicist is kind enough to put me on the guest list for a show, the least I can do is buy some merch, you know? Well, so. thank you. <laughs> absolutely. And you so wear it proudly, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and this shirt, I have to admit, the one I'm wearing right now, it's, it, you know, it's probably only got a few more cycles through a washing machine before I, I might have to retire it. So I, do, I only wear it very sporadically. So, <laughs> but, right. For talking to the guys in the band, I, I always bust it out for that. So there's a lot I want to talk to you about, but uh, the first thing is I think it's great that the, the current release for Tesla, it's a, it's a live album. Uh, it's called Full Throttle. And I think the interesting thing is you guys have had a few uh, live releases before, and uh, Jeff's showing it off. And uh, no, there you go. It. Yeah, oh, I've got wow, it. That's I've got better. It that's <laughs> got better. It. I've got it big right there uh, for our visual audience. And um, let's uh, let's kind of talk about the fact that it's a little bit of a different approach. You know, I mean, you guys have had a few live releases. You know, there's the uh, the Mechanical Resonance Live, which is, you know, live tracks of every song on your first album. And uh, there have been some other ones, obviously. You know, I, I guess the biggest is probably the uh, five man acoustical jam album. I mean, that's absolutely, a, that's, that's a huge live record for you guys. But for this one, I thought it was interesting that if you look at the track listing, there's some songs that aren't on there, but the point is that these are all songs that I guess had never been on a live album before. Correct. Yeah. And um, we did the Aerosmith song SOS too bad. And um, it was a few of the songs that never got a chance to have a video or a live recording of. So 
that's why we made uh, the choices were made. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're only going to play a few seconds, though, because of the way that uh, YouTube works. You start putting music up there. <laughs> they start. Uh, but I, I just wanted to show it to everybody. So here. So people watching the video will still get to see it. But, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you cool. about uh, this this choice in, in cover, uh, of course, of S.O.S. Too Bad from Aerosmith's uh, Get Your Wings album. But uh, so putting those songs together, they were really songs that just sort of, you know, the songs that are on there uh, hadn't really been. And, you know, they're they're well-known songs, you know, like uh, like Changes and Lazy Days, Crazy Nights. Uh, Edison's Medicine, that surprised me that that hadn't been on a live release before. But uh, I think it's uh, it, it was an interesting idea, you know, because there's, uh, you know, you, you could have just put out a whole show that still had all the same songs on it that uh, we'd heard before. But uh, I think uh, trying to give the audience, well, here's songs you haven't heard before. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's a great way to do it, you know. Yeah. You know, it's it's like how it's like how Kiss Alive 2 didn't have rock and roll night on it because Kiss Alive 1 did, you know, so it's like, hey, hey you've got it already. Right. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, you know, we I think we record every night for whatever reason. We just record it. And those guys listen back to it, Frank and Brian and them. And, and they said, hey, the show came out really good. And maybe we should release, you know, a uh, little live record from uh, the Full Throttle Saloon. Yeah. And the the full throttle saloon that's a, that's in Sturgis, right? Where correct. The bike rally is every year. So that's yeah. correct. Yeah, motorcycles so, uh, everywhere and good music. And I'm gonna bet that uh, that there was a, a a good raucous crowd that night. At least it sounds like it. You know, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to worry about playing to crickets at all if you're gonna do a show in Sturgis. No, <laughs> no, it was on. It was on. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the idea of doing uh, SOS Too Bad, the Aerosmith uh, cover, which there is a video for, which our visual audience is getting to see. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, there's so many great Aerosmith songs, but uh, I thought it was an interesting choice because it's a great song, but it's not, you know, one of like the five Aerosmith songs that you hear on classic rock radio. So the fact that it's, I don't want to call it an obscure song because it's, you know, it's Aerosmith, but was the idea of like, let's try and figure out something that maybe people don't hear that often. I think so. And Frank was spearheaded on, on that, that whole deal. And, you know, uh, like you said, you know, let's do an Aerosmith song. We were like, yeah, of course. You know, we cut our teeth on Aerosmith. They're a big inspiration for us. And uh, he said, what do you guys think about SOS Too Bad? And we were like, yeah, man, I think that's a great idea. So turned out great. It's a great song. You can't go wrong with a great song. And we've been known to cover a lot of songs. And, of yeah. course, if you're going to cover one, why not cover one a bit more obscure than the ones you usually or hearing so yeah and, and in reading the notes uh obviously it was frank who said this but uh that basically he learned to play guitar listening to aerosmith live bootleg which uh, i i will hold up my uh, cd of that uh for yeah it's one of my favorite records yeah. ever well and i think it's it, you know look i just referenced kiss alive and uh you know of all those huge 70s live albums it's the one that by every account is the most live you know they didn't uh i don't think they fixed anything on it actually and, right. Uh, you know, and and it just it sounds so great. And it's you know, it's got all the songs, you know, but I always loved, uh, you know, stuff like towards the end of the album. It has like I Ain't Got You, Mother Popcorn and all that stuff. You know? Yeah. Love I, that was record. A, I was a kid listening to that. I and mean, I'd never heard any of those songs. You know what I mean? So, oh, man, just, I used like, to, what is all this? 
Yeah. I used to just just wear that eight track tape out. <laughs> the the interesting thing about eight tracks though is that sometimes the track would end like in the middle. Uh, so I hope that uh, that didn't happen while you were listening to live bootleg. Yeah, but it did, of course, because it's eight track tape. But you know what the cool part about it is? Is it just goes on and on. It doesn't stop. Oh, I yeah. mean, you could be partying, whatever, go to sleep, pass out, wake up, and it's still <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And uh, it's uh, it, it definitely you can it, it just it made sense when I was reading that from Frank, though, that it would be like, you know, you'd get so excited, like I, I could listen to this record or I can go grab my guitar and uh, play along with Joe Perry, you know, so there you go. Yeah, and uh, obviously SOS, of course, is on live bootleg. So uh, I think it was a great choice to include uh, on the live album. And, uh, you know, I referenced before that I uh, caught one of the shows you did on the Las Vegas residency. You did a bunch in March and then you did it in October. And right. uh, just uh, curious what it was like for, you know, kind of getting to. I don't know that you guys had done a residency, at least of, of even that length before getting to just kind of stay in a city you know, stay in Vegas of all places and, you know, not have to get on the bus or the plane or any of that. Uh, it, yeah. It, uh, do you find that maybe you're just more refreshed when you show up for the gig that day? Well, you know what? I th people really enjoy it. And it's Vegas is one of the people's most favorite cities to go to. And, you know, to go there and and go to party in Vegas and have one of your favorite bands, which for some people we are. And so it went out, it turned out great. We did it in March. It turned out so great. We did it in uh, uh, September, October. We did another five shows in 10 days. And, you know, for me, honestly, I like being on a bus going from town to town. So I didn't know what to expect, but really it was great. There were some yeah. people that were there for multiple shows, but for the most part, people were just either flying in from all over and uh, just seeing one show and hadn't seen yeah. us for years. So, right. Exactly. And uh, I think uh, it's, it was at the house of blues in Mandalay Bay and those, those right. are great size venues. You know, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's not, it, it's not, I, I live in LA. It's not the whiskey a go, go, you know, it's not CBGB's, but uh, it's also not, you know, the, the arena. And uh, I, as much as I love seeing you guys over the years, it's uh, great when, you know, obviously for the band, I'm sure it's great when you get uh, put on a tour like a few years ago. I saw you with, it was uh, with Def Leppard and Poison. You guys went on first. It was great. That was that was very cool. Everybody was into the band. All those bands are great to see live. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, man, Tessa got like 31 minutes, you know? So. Yeah, that's the only thing about that stuff, which they're great to do. We have sure, a blast doing them, but... When you're in the opening slot, you only get like 35 minutes, and that's just how it works. So we take what we can get, and we were happy to be there. So getting to do shows like these, uh, and this was uh, this was the first uh, headline show I'd seen in a little while, and uh, you know it was great. And as you referenced, you know people would go to multiple nights, so you would uh, mix up the set list uh, fairly well. Uh, yeah. Is you know is there ever a night where you're like? you know, there's always the songs that you have to play. Right. And I remember years right. ago, a few years ago, I talked to uh, Dave Perner, who's the lead singer for soul asylum. And I kind of asked him a, a variation of the question I'm about to ask you. I'm like, yeah, you have a bunch of big songs. You probably have to play runaway train every night. He's like, you know, sometimes I ask the crowd, do you want to hear runaway train or do you want to hear this song? And he's like, 
some nights they ask for the other song and I'm like, really? <laughs> you know? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting the people that come to multiple shows, sure. Yeah. But you know, you, you've always got to play to the, those people that are just coming to see one show and you got to play what they call the staple songs, Yeah, which is cowboy, you know, uh, Susie signs, love song. Anybody yeah. that goes to a Tesla show, uh, and doesn't hear those songs, you're going to be like, well, that's what I came to hear those songs. So, right. you know, it's it becomes a little difficult trying to play for both crowds. But, you know, we, we, we keep in the staple songs, but we have fun, you know, like changing up with two or three different songs a night for the people coming to multiple shows. Right. And I think that's I think that's the key, you know, uh, that uh, there's there's at least something. And, you know, I I. I definitely remember there were a few songs that were surprises when I saw, and then I would see set lists from later in the residency. I'm like, Oh, well, that's cool. You know, they, they dusted that off. So that, yeah, that must be fun. Uh, recently, and it was a few weeks ago. I heard, uh, I think it was you, Frank and no, sorry, Frank wasn't there. It was you, Brian and Dave, you were uh, in studio with Eddie trunk on Sirius XM talking about yeah. you know, people calling in with their five favorite Tesla songs. And uh, the interesting takeaway that I got from that was at least you and Brian, and I think Dave said so too, your favorite of your own albums is uh, Psychotic Supper. Absolutely. And, uh, and I love that album. That was the first, like, once I was into the band, that's the first one that was a new album. You know, that was the one like, oh, the new Tesla album's coming out on this day. I can't wait. I got to go get it. I I, I couldn't wait to go buy the cassette because, uh, you know, I didn't have any fancy CD player at that point. But, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. And uh, I, so for me, probably because it was the first time that I'm like, oh, this is new. And I was so excited. I've always loved that album. And I just uh, wanted to give you a second to kind of expand. What is it about that album? And obviously you're not, you're not selling short to any of the others, but what is it about that album that you feel like for you personally? I'm like, yeah, that, that really is the, the, the best of our. Well, the first record, you know, you, you've like, they say, you've got your whole life to write. And, uh, you know, uh, with Steve Thompson, Michael Barbiero, our producers, you know, and, and, and with our management and Tom Zutat, you know, they're all helping you to make a great record, which Mechanical Residence came out great. And then you're doing the second record, which is what sometimes they've been referred to as watch out for the sophomore jinx, because sure. can you repeat something? But. With Psychotic Supper, we just kind of had a really a better idea of who we wanted to be and how we wanted to be, which was still just like the first two records. Just, you know, we just did some things that were, you know, a little bit more on top of things like put this in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> things like that, you know, just. Yeah. But just, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but just it was just um, a more open experience of we were already de kind of defined who we were with the first two records. So now we knew who we were. Right. Exactly. You, you guys knew who you were. And then also, you know, you had obviously, you know, uh, established yourselves fairly well. I mean, the, the show I bought this t-shirt at by the psychotic supper tour, you guys were headlining. I mean, the, the, you were at the County fair near me, but you also yeah. played at like an arena. So it was like, Obviously, I, I feel like when you have success, there's probably like a little bit more like hands off or it's more like, you know what? They got this, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and yeah. also five man acoustical jam we did when we were on tour with Motley Crue. We did that between, you know, uh, 
great radio and uh, psychotic supper. So mm-hmm. on top of that, you know, that just, you know, we were very successful with that acoustic record live and it just made us feel like we, like I said, we knew, had a better idea of just who we were and wanted to be. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting because uh, the, you know, the idea of five man acoustical jam, it, it essentially, I mean, I think it, in my memory, it predates MTV unplugged. It was literally right before the big, like, Oh, let's ever, you know, before Clapton's acoustic and everybody's acoustic records started coming out. And, right. you know, you guys just did that as a tour, right? It wasn't even like, we're going to do this tour and we're going to record it and we're going to plan to release it. There wasn't any no, of that, right? It wasn't even a tour. We were on tour with Motley Crue, oh, okay. an electric tour. And we had five different cities. I think it was that we had, you know, not two nights off in a row. So we just said, Hey, let's find a club that maybe will allow us to play our songs acoustically and we'll just have fun with it. We did one or two shows and went, wow, this is feeling good. Next, you know, we bring down a 24, uh, track mobile truck and five cameras to record it. We record it and it gets put up on the shelf and, uh, me and Tommy and Frank went to some station up in Boston and, uh, played it live and the phones, literally the old school phones were ringing off the hook and people were loving it. And next, you know, they said, let's put this out as a live record. And I believe it's our biggest selling record to date. Right. I mean, it would, it would definitely make sense. And, uh, you know, it's uh, in it, I, I would admit that I'm someone that I was not familiar with the five man electrical band version of signs. Your version is the first I ever heard. So to me, it was like, oh, that's a Tesla song. And then, you know, you find out pretty quickly that, that it's not. Yeah. But uh, and that would be one of those songs to refer back to what we're saying. You know, it's like even if you play, you know, love song, Edison's Medicine, Little Susie. It's like if you don't play signs in a show, it's like, yeah, yeah, they did all the songs I like except for that one. So like signs, you know, you probably thought it was a fun thing. Like, oh, let's put this in on our acoustic set. And then, you know, fast forward, what, 33 years. You're like, well, now we play it every night, you know. Well, trust me, it's become a staple song and it's a great song. And we're happy and proud to do it every night. And, yeah. uh, you know, because Love Song made top 10 and Signs made top 10. So that's our only two top 10 singles so uh yeah it's definitely a staple song and for a good reason sort of refer back to what we were saying earlier about uh aerosmith's live bootleg i believe that's also an album that you guys didn't really go back and and do anything to i mean i think you had to you had the the background singers had to change you know and sign because they say fucking up the scenery so i think that that was the one thing right they had to they had to record i said or something I said blocking, but we kept the background vocals saying fucking. So it's mixed <laughs> together. So it sounds like flocking. Yeah. So for so the we, single, that's just for the single. That's the yeah, only just thing for the did. single. That's the only thing. And and you know that's you can it. you can blame those potty mouths, uh, Brian Wheat and Fry Cannon. You know for uh, <laughs> for bringing that. Well, up. actually, I said it too. Oh, that's so true. I, you know, I yeah, made my own fucking sign. You're just, right. Hey, that's it's true. just. That's right. So uh, that's a great point. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I forgot the lyrics for a second, but. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it was, uh, it, it just seemed like it was such a, a great moment and, and maybe it's the fact that it wasn't like, okay, you know, the label wants us to do a, a live record and somebody has this idea no. that we, we want to do an acoustic, but it was because I think the fact that it was organic and clearly you guys are having fun, you know, yep. I mean, one of my favorite things about it that 
I think some bands wouldn't have put in there. You start singing silly love songs, the wings song. And you're like, I don't actually remember the words to that song, you know? So Yeah. Or maybe I'm amazed. Something like that. that you know what? You're right. It's, it's maybe I'm amazed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, I got my wings confused. You're right. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's what, yeah, it's great. And I don't know. I think a lot of times when you hear some of the live albums, uh, they don't, they don't particularly feel live and that one, you know, it's, it's paced right. And uh, of course, uh, full throttle is, is a great collection of, uh, of live music and it well, has thanks. SOS. And uh, I loved the idea because the, the um, it was a few years ago that you did the mechanical resonance live. And that wasn't all one show. It was just like, it's all the songs Take from different cities, from yeah. different cities. Yeah. And uh, I think that was a great idea. And I, Thank I, you. I, I think one of the times when I talked to Brian about it, there were a couple songs that you guys didn't usually do, but you knew you wanted to do that record. So it's like, all right, well, we, there's, there's one or two that we have to start, you know, trying to get a, a recording of. Yeah. Uh, are there songs that you think about sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't know if you're cleaning things up and you, you know, you look at the back of psychotic supper and you, you think like, Hey, how come we don't do like talk about it? I don't even know. Maybe you guys do sometimes, but I'm just thinking of songs that I that I remember that I loved when I heard the record that I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard them do it. And if that's not a good example, are there ever songs you're like, yeah, man, why don't we do that? Well, song? you know what? Sometimes I think, you know, we've done different songs like that, maybe. And and you when you do it live, you go, ah, it just didn't come across like on the record. That's you know, idea. and Paradise was uh we did as a studio song and now the only way we play it is, you know, when we pull out the stools and Brian wheat comes out with the piano and, and we play it the acoustic version and we've tried playing that live electrically, like it's on the record, but it just didn't come across like it did, you know, acoustically. So yeah, no, no, Th yeah. That makes sense. I mean, if, if you think of, you know, again, to bring another band into this, if if you ever, I mean, I'm sure you have, but if anybody in the audience ever hears the original electric version of uh, I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick, not the Budokan version that everybody hears, you're like, oh, it's like a completely different song. It's not a bad right. song, but it's not right. like the way you're used to it. And I, I guess it makes sense that sometimes a song sort of, you know, it finds, uh, it finds a way, you know, like, like, seeing guns and roses now compared to seeing them like 30 years ago, there's a lot of stuff that like slash will still play the Godfather theme before, you know, stuff. it's a lot of like, you know, just sort of, it's the way that the songs evolve over time. And I, exactly. Man, stuff like that's cool. It, it's cool to see it different, but uh, yeah. So I, I guess I can see the, see your point that, uh, you know, Try, that, that has to be a bad feeling of like, oh, we're so excited to bust out this song. And then like halfway through it, you're like, oh, this isn't. Yeah, if it just isn't feeling right, it's like, hey, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously it's great you have this uh, this live release out with the, the cover of SOS Too Bad. Uh, where is Tesla at in terms of uh, new material for uh, a new album? Uh, Shock was either last year or two years ago. I think that was the last full right. studio album. Yeah. Uh, so where where are you at right now? Obviously, there's there's plenty of time to tour, but uh, are there plans to get back in the studio? Well, we've released a couple singles, um, Cold Blue Steel, right? Time to Rock, and we're gonna work on one that we're gonna release sometime next spring. And but I guess once we get enough songs or the time, I think 
the hardest thing is having the time because when you put a record together, it takes like a year and a half to put an entire record together. So I guess it would just be having the time to take the time off to make a record. So right now we're just content with putting out a single here and a single there and having fun going out there. The, The fans are still there. We, we just appreciate them so much, and we're still having fun with it. So once we get up enough songs and enough time to put together another record, that's when we'll do it. Right, exactly. I think uh, I, I think that uh, that that is one of the one of the good ways. I think that uh, you know things have sort of evolved. Is that there isn't you know it's it's funny we were talking about Aerosmith at the beginning of the conversation. You know the fact that they would put out you know Alice Cooper would do the same thing. Albums would come out like every six months, and you're like how <laughs> you know right. how, how do they do that and you know, and, know. And, and, and in some of the cases it's like those are like their best albums that came out six months apart you know it, yeah you know it, it's it's like it, it's crazy to think about but uh you know and i guess it's it's great though that uh, you guys are able to get out there because i don't know i mean it's uh it's funny i i was going back some of my some of the interviews that i i had done a few years ago and uh, i was reminded that it wasn't really that long ago that you know bands weren't touring you know because you know just venues weren't open you weren't sure if you yeah. wanted to go to shows and i was just thinking that was only a couple of years ago but it feels like 10 years ago and I it's know. so fun to be able to go out like the night that i did uh, when i was in vegas and i saw you guys and it's, uh, it's so it's got to be a great feeling you know, sure, you know, you guys could make new music, whatever, but uh, to actually get out there and see people and have them go crazy, I'm sure it it still feels great uh, all these years later. It's still feeling great after all these years, and it's good because things did shut down for like 18 months Yeah, uh, when yeah. COVID hit, and uh, it's just great to have the be back out there, just doing it to it, going at it, and the fans are still there, loving it, we're loving it, everybody's happy, so... We're very fortunate. Uh, one thing before we leave, as we talk about putting together uh, live set lists, uh, I always think it's it's interesting, and you know, it's you know, fairly well documented that uh, sometimes bands have songs that you know somebody in the band likes, and maybe other people don't. You know, I, I my understanding is uh, Gene Simmons hates "I Was Made for Loving You," but Paul likes to play it, and it's a big hit. You know, things like that. You hear things like that. You don't have to comment on that song at all. But is there anything where you're like? Hey, how about this one? And everybody else is like, oh, come on, man. Or is everybody like pretty much on board with everything? Well, you know, hey, we we try different things. And each one of us will say, hey, how about we try this song? How about we try that song? And really the bottom line is if it comes across great playing it live, then we put it in the set. Yeah. So, you know, we're very fortunate that we get along really well and we'll give things a fair chance and give it a shot. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then hey, just move on to the next. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's the key. If uh, if if everybody's happy playing together, you know, being in a room together, you know, all that uh, that I think that translates uh, onto the uh, you know uh, on the stage, but also for the audience. You know, there's absolutely. There's, there's there's nothing worse than seeing a band where you know somebody's like inner ear monitor isn't working and and they're pissed at the the road crew and then they they take it out on somebody in the band and you're like wait what, what did I spend all this money for so I you can tell when a band's having fun that's my point yeah well and, we ha- we do have like in ear buds and stuff go out and stuff but we still 
we don't take it out on anybody and we just keep on having fun, but it's nice when everything's working right. Yeah, right. Well, that's, that's what it really comes down to. You yeah. Know? You know, yeah. When you show up and, 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 and the gear all works and everything sounds good at yeah. uh, sound check, that's the key. Well, yeah. Things happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jeff Keith, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, again, the live album is full throttle, uh, SOS, the Aerosmith cover. There's a video for that. Uh, our video audience saw a little bit of it and, uh, you can find it uh, wherever you find music. And, uh, I believe it's Tesla, the Uh, obviously yes. you have to differentiate from any other company that might use that name. Uh, this is Tesla, the And, uh, I, uh, I, I hope that uh, I get a chance to uh, see you guys again soon, whether it's uh, a headline show or, or one of those shows where you only get 30 minutes. That just makes me hungry for more. You know what I mean, Jeff? You betcha, Christian. All right. Well, thank you. Hope you All get right. to make the next one. Well, thank you so much, Jeff Keith and Jim Peterick. It was really fun getting to chat with both of them. And I hope you check out both of their respective new music. We'll be talking much more, much music in our next episode. I'm joined by a radio and podcast host from the Great White North. That's right. We have a Canadian guest. Uh, his name's Chad Vice. He's a huge rock and roll, hard rock, heavy metal fan like me. So uh, I hope you uh, will be back with us in our next episode for that conversation. And I will uh, give you a little hint. That episode will be available very soon. But that's not this time. That'll be next time on The Blatcast. Thank you for listening to the Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B L A D T C A S T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F A R D M U H A M M A D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. This is my friend Christian. He this. This little fucker does know oh, who I black am. cast. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a big fan of X-ray girl though. Oh, oh, okay. You can definitely be a big fan. <laughs> we don't discriminate over here. We have a celebrity in the chat, Christian. I've already forgotten about you, Christian. Who? <laughs> this is why you're stupid, Christian. This is why you're dumb. Oh, it depends on the pancakes. But mm -hmm. uh, if you do plain pancakes only, French toast is better. Mickey is no tin dog. <laughs> Christian's also a huge Doctor yeah. Who fan. That moment when he was in, told to stay in the car. I'm not a dog. That that change of uh, him going to another planet, getting those balls. I was actually like, Mickey's hot now. That's just toxic femininity or masculinity. I don't know. <laughs> he gets One all masculine and he turns freaking hot. How dare I? How dare we find masculine men hot? That's crazy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Christian. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Christian probably feels the same way. He's, I'm just saying he's not masculine. That's what. Oh, that's what I was saying. I love that you had 25 clips you got rid of. Can you please call Christian Blatt after this and explain yeah. to him <laughs> quality control? Yeah, right. Thank you. We're fighting for our right to live the way we need to to exist in a festive world for 55. 
to 57 full days. And the Bladcast showing up, my buddy Christian. Oh. I'd like to announce that Eric Zane and I will no longer be discussing Quincy reruns on who are these broadcasters <laughs> this well, week, Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'll tell you one place you can do it, Christian. Go to onemike.net, subscribe to the Patreon. If I find out those motherfuckers are talking about Thunder in Paradise, Carter. Oh, yeah. Carl, By the way, fuck them up. I we own this on the creep off, motherfuckers. All right. No Ooh. one else talk about Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> That's my thing. Um, Better hope yeah, we don't so, get to that Quincy finale. Real quick to um, uh, the Bladcast, Christian Blatt, him and Eric Zane host Who Are These Broadcasters on the Who Are These Podcast YouTube channel. And we are having a special time on Tuesday, 2 p.m. rather than our regular 3 p.m. So an hour earlier coming up this Tuesday. Hello, I'm Conrad Bain. What's the matter, Senor Luigi? You look a little nervous. I'm very nervous. No invite. <laughs> Who are you, Christian Bland? We're Christian, you are, you're a talker. About, no, you're like the I worst podcast ever. Well, this has been the Black Cast. You can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> not a good game <laughs> but you haven't heard christian blatt do it <laughs> oh, that's true i forgot christian blatt did that with us the black cast so thank you christian how is it that wendy is so like much so better at this than stud joe chad and kevin brennan whoa hacka hackers as pissed off as Vinny is at you yeah, yeah you yeah. should be at christian blatt and eric Zane. <laughs> this one came in from uh, my buddy christian blatt the black cast thank you for the 199 christian uh cardiff grab your guitar to play whole lot of rosie Mousies? The Bletcast 199. Who's had more hands up their bum? Chad or Tuki? Chad. Thank you, Bletcast. Bletcast. The Bletcast is 100% right. Uh, the Bletcast. The Bletcast. The Bletcast. One of the best podcasts you can ever see. The Bletcast. Whoop de doo. We're watching it. We got no Wi Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bletcast. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500 last time I checked. Totally forgot. I am doing the Bladcast tomorrow. Uh, the Bladcast, 499. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed. <laughs> that was not my fault. Tuki loves you all more than a friend. I love Tuki. Yay! <laughs> hacka, hacka! I'm so excited! Try anything you cancel, bro. Let's see. <laughs> I was, uh... Sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it. Mickey is no tin dog.